0: Welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet Movie Podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. This is the podcast where we watch The Great Muppet Caper two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Ryan Rowe.
1: I'm your other host, Anthony Strand.
0: And today we have a guest who is back with us after an appearance last season. Introduce yourself, please, guest.
2: Hey, guys. I'm Grant Harding, a puppeteer and an old friend from the Tough Pigs Forum.
0: And a big Muppet fan. Yes. Yes. And uh, say. yeah, yeah, we're very happy to have you. Thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure
2: to be on your podcast.
0: Today we are looking at minutes 33 and 34 of The Great Muppet Caper, in which Stepping Out with a Star concludes, Kermit is too polite and Miss Piggy approaches Highbrow Street. So uh, we pick up from last time with the end of Stepping Out with a Star, which we talked about some uh, last week. Uh, there's a lot more fun choreography just in this this last part of the song. Um, oh yeah! For example, I like when Gonzo is taking a picture of Kermit and Fozzie, and they just sort of switch places. They they just kind of switch positions yeah. for some reason.
2: Yeah, I love that. It's there's there's no real reason for it. It's just a little bit of business they put in, but it's
1: it's lovely.
0: Yeah, just a little flourish.
1: Well, I think that they are assuming that Gonzo won't be able to tell. Because they are identical,
0: right? Right. So
1: they're just having they're just having their little fun. They're just playing a little, little trick on him. Yeah, oh, could I be like they're going to look at
0: the picture later and go, "Wait a minute, I thought you were over there." Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and then Kermit spins around. He lands on the bed, the Murphy bed, and it springs up and launches him in the air, and he crashes down on the floor. And I'm I was trying to think, and I think. It's at least two different Kermit puppets, presumably, possibly three.
2: This is why I love this song and this sequence so much.
0: Yeah. Because
2: I people always ooh and ah over the bicycle scene and the, and the, and the Miss Piggy swimming pool scene, and rightly so. But uh, for my money, it's, it, this, this is the puppetry tour de force in this film, is stepping out with a star. Because almost every time the camera cuts... Kermit is a different puppet being worked in a different way. Yep. And it's just dizzyingly fast. Now he's a regular hand puppet. Now he's a hand puppet sitting down on the bed, being performed through a hole in the bed. And now he's a hand puppet standing up with Jim's arm coming into the back of his head through the wall. Now he's a marionette. Now he's a doll being tossed around. Now he's mounted on a rig to make him spin around. And it's just fast, 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 fast. You know, this is, this is Jim Henson, as both the director and the performer, taking full advantage of filmed puppetry, right? You couldn't couldn't do that with stage puppetry unless he kept leaving the stage and coming back really fast.
0: Yeah, exactly. This whole song is just full of puppet tricks, almost every shot, like you say.
1: Well, and you wouldn't even have had time to do something like this on The Muppet Show. I mean... Right. The Muppet Show is shot, you know, mostly long takes. You know, it's very rare for them to do a quick cutting... I, I I don't know that they ever did do like a bunch of quick cuts on the chair. Not a, a bunch in a row, time. probably not. Yeah, right. And this is, I mean, Kermit Kermit falling onto the bed and then you know, flying up, dropping down and sitting up. That's at least four different shots. Yeah. I think it's I think it's four within about five seconds.
2: And probably yeah. four different different Kermits too.
1: Yeah,
0: Right, that's what I was saying. And I I don't have the taping dates, or the the filming dates in front of me, but I would not be surprised if it took them longer just to shoot this song, this number, than it did to shoot an episode of The Muppet Show. Mm. Um, But yeah, so when he spins, that's like a Kermit with, uh, I guess, just essentially a doll but with some kind of rod in his leg that lets them spin him from below. And then... Yeah, I don't know if
2: he's motorized or, or what it is, but...
0: Yeah, I don't know, or it might just be the Jim or whoever, twirling him from underneath. Then when he actually sits on the bed and it cuts to him singing the line, I'm ready to fly, that's essentially the regular Kermit hand puppet. And then the Murphy bed springs yeah. up and he then throws him in the air and then he becomes, like you say, a doll. So, yeah, at least I, I would say probably three different Kermits there.
2: This is the sequence I always show people when I want to impress them with the power of puppets on film.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes you sense. You see what they're doing here? It's amazing. Right. Although you would probably have to stop and point things out to them because most people <laughs> wouldn't even notice. That's true because it's, like, it's done so effectively. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? It's just a frog singing and dancing like they do.
2: And, and there's a, de- a detail of the staging here that on top of all the complication of this number and constant cutting and switching puppets and, and everything, they've also got a mirror in the frame. mm like just to make it that much harder like even when you're <laughs> safely off camera you're not safely off camera cuz maybe you're in the mirror
0: yeah you're right right yeah like i just noticed just the second when gonzo takes a picture of them it cuts to Kermit and Fozzie but you can see gonzo in gonzo's reflection in the mirror behind them actually snapping the picture
2: like how many how many great takes were ruined just because you could see a crew member in the
0: mirror Right, or or the right, top yeah. of Dave Gull's head, or, or yeah,
1: right. Although, again, in universe, it's just another example of Gonzo being a terrible photographer.
0: Well, yes, <laughs> right? yes. That, like he's
1: getting his own reflection in the in the <laughs>
0: shot. Yes, I would completely are, are you, buy that.
2: Are you guys keeping track, or has somebody kept track of of all the what are all the photos that Gonzo takes through this movie? We have not, but now
1: I wish we had been. That'd make yeah. a good tough takes article.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, it would and And what do they look like? like are any of them possibly good photos with good composition that you could publish in a right, newspaper
1: right because' printable right? I mean, he's just taking random shots at the supper club later. He's gonna be like taking pictures of diners to sell to them for ten dollars,
0: yeah, yeah. He took a picture of the doorman at Lady Holiday's office.
1: <laughs>
0: totally candid shot yeah yeah no we should keep track of that um speaking of gonzo he is mostly just kind of sitting back and watching this number but at the end he does join in the choreography for the last few lines of the song um which by the way I, something about those last couple lines i really like the sound of stepping out with a star hey good times stepping out with a star bye bad times it's just, mm. just something, something so I don't know, bouncy about that.
1: Yeah, well, I think that it's really helped by when Gonzo starts singing with them. They have friends all turn to the left, then back to the front, then back to the left, then back to the front, and then they spin around all in unison. Yeah, yeah. And the- it's such a like I don't, that just makes it feel so much more joyful. I don't know. They're all just hey, we're 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 doing choreography. You yeah,
0: know? exactly. The choreography really helps a lot. It, it
1: cements them as three buddies, too. Right. Well, and, and like we've talked about, like I think you and I have talked about out, outside of this podcast, Grant, there's very little material where Fozzie, Gonzo, and Kermit are a trio. Yeah. But because of this movie, and this number in particular, really, it feels like that's the classic Muppet group. It's, it's basically, yeah, you think of them as right, it's, it's, it's basically, Yeah, they're, they're the three amigos, but it's basically just this movie – The scenes in the Muppet movie where Gonzo's there, but Piggy's not there yet. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Cloris Leachman episode where they're all locked in the boiler room together. That's, that's pretty much the entire, you know, Jim Henson era canon of Kermit Fozzie and Gonzo are all buddies.
0: Yeah.
2: Which is crazy. I mean, it's like the thing of how uh, Fozzie only said, Waka Waka on the Muppet show
0: one time. (laughs) Right. Is it really only once or was it just a few times after the Muppet movie came out?
2: I think, I think we we, I think somebody figured out it was uh, it was only once.
0: I know it's and, definitely not as many as you would think.
2: And I think, it, of course, in all our minds, he was saying it constantly.
0: Right, exactly. It's his catchphrase.
2: All he ever says.
0: Right. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like Ricky Ricardo didn't actually say, Lucy, you got some splainin' to do. Oh, no? But no, apparently <laughs> people have gone back and looked for it. He said variations on like... Lucy, you better explain this one or something like that. But he never actually um, said that yeah, exact and, sentence.
1: And and weirdly, in the entire run of Mork and Mindy, Robin Williams never said "nanu nanu." Whoa! <laughs>
0: <laughs> Mind blown.
1: No, I'm just, I'm, I'm just kidding, audience. He said it in every episode. He says it all the <laughs> time.
0: I'm sure he did. It's, it's in the theme.
1: It's song, literally it? in the theme song. Yeah. yeah.
0: So there you go. Okay. Don't don't yeah. Oh, don't go run God, to the edit idea. the IMDb trivia. Anyone. Now I'm doubting all my preconceptions. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, on a previous episode we with with our friend uh, Peter, another uh, Muppet fan friend, we talked about the musical device of a button at the end of a song. And just having all three of these guys go, yeah, at the end of this, I can't think of a more perfect button. That's fun. Yeah. So before we move on from... Stepping out with a star. Grant, I know you specifically requested uh this number for your minutes. So do you have any other general thoughts about the song or the any other uh, notes about the staging of the number? Uh
2: one other tiny note is uh when the Murphy bed goes up with Kermit on it and he says, I'm ready to fly, uh for a couple of frames you can see uh what looks like the head of some bearded fellow. Yeah. Oh, really? the bed. Just is- it goes by so fast.
0: Is it in the shot when he's, get like, the close shot when he's getting up off the floor?
2: Uh, no, no, it's, he's sitting on the bed. He says, I'm oh, ready to bed. fly.
0: Right.
2: And the bed goes up and for, like, two frames you can see Jim Henson's, like, the, the right side of his face.
0: Oh, like from where Kermit is sitting on the bed. Yeah. Huh. So does that mean his arm is in the puppet and then the bed flips up? and pulls the puppet off his hand oh maybe and he's just standing there next to it i don't know i'm sure they never anticipated that anyone would be i mean they they probably weren't even really thinking much about home video at that point but they never anticipated that anyone be, would be watching it this closely what kind of loon would watch it two minutes at a time exactly but wow yeah that's cool I'm, I'm sure someone has added that to the that Muppet wiki page of like.
2: Yeah, I think I did.
0: Visible puppeteers. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I think it was me. Uh, all right. So Anthony, do you have anything else about stepping out with the star?
1: Yes. Um, so after Kermit sh- shortly after that moment, Grant was just discussing when Kermit sits up as he stands up, Fozzie and then Gonzo brush Kermit's tucks off with their hands. And I think that's such a nice touch that. Oh, yeah. like. He- he just, he just had this fall and they both just start like helping him clean up, helping him get his dignity back after his fall. You know, it's like, it's, it's like, we're talking about with them. Like these are, these are the three buddies. Yeah. And, and that's just an, another example of how it really is true in this movie that they're, that they're all looking out for each other. Yeah. yeah. They want him to look good on his date. Sure.
0: Yeah. That, this might be one reason I love the song so much too, is it's, it's, it's such an optimistic song. And that just adds to it. Friends helping friends. So, uh, oh, but it's not all, this scene is not all optimistic. Because Fozzie is
1: about to become very sad. Fozzie, Um, man. Okay. Can I say something about Fozzie being sad here?
0: Yes, please do.
1: As we saw last week, he's so sad. when he Like, before the song starts. When he thinks Kermit is going to go on a date without him. And then Kermit starts singing this song. And Fozzie forgets all about it. He's so happy. He's having fun. He's singing along with Kermit. And then as soon as the song ends, he's devastated again.
0: Yes. <laughs> because well, Fozzie's power
1: of music <laughs> is only temporary. Fozzie first... lives in the moment.
0: Oh, that's definitely true. <laughs> yeah. But he's uh, he's briefly confused when Kermit asks him uh, how he looks, and Fozzie's not sure which one of them in the mirror is Kermit and which one is Fozzie. Yeah. Which, again, Classic. yeah, they're just getting so much <laughs> mileage out of this gag of them being identical <laughs> twins.
1: They do it so many times and it never becomes less funny. That's the thing. It feels like there should be diminishing returns with that joke and there never is. Yeah. And Fozzie not knowing which one of them he is
2: works as a gag even without the runner of their identical twins. Like that's, it's just funny anyway.
0: That's true. I would still buy that Fozzie wasn't sure which of them was which even if they weren't twins. But um, yeah, so Fozzie says Kermit uh, looks like he's gonna have a, a terrific time without (laughs) fozzy kermit obviously wants to be alone with uh you know with this lady that he just met but he tells fozzy so he says to fozzy you can come which fozzy interprets as everyone in this entire hotel can come (laughs) and he opens the door and there's uh, a bunch of other characters who have apparently just been standing there listening in and waiting and uh, they're all very excited to hear that they're going on Kermit State.
1: Were they listening to the whole song? Well, I mean, here's the thing. If Kermit, Fozzie, and Gonzo were singing a song in the hotel room near you, wouldn't you stand by the door and listen? That's a very good point.
0: I guess so. Although, you know, one assumes that it's not uncommon for these characters to break out in song in this hotel.
1: Yeah, also a good point. <laughs>
0: but yeah and actually i'm just looking it's it's fun the assortment of characters they chose to be right in the doorway it's floyd beaker the swedish chef lips uh two rats a chicken ralph scooter Zoot, dr teeth and janice i think that's all you can actually see the animals the in the back did you say animal i did not oh yeah he's behind beaker but oh, uh, you like can a- briefly see bunsen in the back there too Oh, okay, but like I don't see pops. You're right.
1: He's right? Bunsen is right behind Zoot.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. So and that 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 beloved character Lips is front and center.
0: Yeah, yeah, right there, very visible. He's (laughs) he's going to be the breakout character of this movie.
2: (laughs) The one that nobody remembers who he is.
0: Yeah, Uh, Kermit makes a face. It's not quite his like familiar scrunched up sheesh face, but it's it's definitely a like what am I. What have I gotten myself into face? That's a great well, face.
1: I actually kind of prefer the face right before that, when he first sees everyone in the doorway, and he just kind of looks stunned. <laughs> and he just his his mouth is like maybe a quarter of the way open. Yeah. And yeah, again, it's it's very simple. it's basically a static puppet. But it just conveys this real feeling of like, what is happening?
0: <laughs> right, right. Oh yeah, Why? he's yeah, I see what you're talking you know? about. He's just stunned before he before he Before then looks look. slightly exasperated. You're
2: right. I'm looking, yeah. at a freeze, I'm looking at a freeze frame of that now and just
0: laughing. It's yes. It, yeah. <laughs> oh, poor guy. Um, yep. The the script calls it, uh, refers to his expression as, I've been had.
1: Yeah. That's exactly what way have <laughs> got
0: it. And it, it speaks well of Jim Henson as a puppeteer that he's able to convey, I've been had, with Kermit's face.
1: Yeah, for sure. <laughs>
0: Uh, speaking of the script, and the July 22nd, 1980 draft, there's a moment when Fozzie is being sad, and Kermit says to Fozzie, you won't be alone, you've got Gonzo. And then they look over at Gonzo, who's leaning out the window, taking pictures of pigeons, and he falls out the window. Which I <laughs> oh, would have oh. liked to see. I think it's a good gag.
1: Yeah, solid. I like that. Yeah. I like
2: that a lot. Yeah. If, if, uh, there's a sign that's on the back of the door
0: yeah uh Um, can you read the sign in this scene i guess
1: well it says in your room after six o'clock and do not tip the rats we can see that part of it
2: so uh, it occurred to me that the uh we might be able to see more in the white uh the full screen edition of the movie and indeed you can the sign says no elephants in your room after six (laughs) o'clock
0: yeah and And I think I, I'm, I think I mentioned this in a previous episode. It's been a while, but, um, in that same draft of the screenplay, there's a scene where it's established that Sam is the hotel detective and he tells Fozzie that it's his job to enforce the rules, such as no elephants in your room after six o'clock. And by the way, don't tip the rats. So it's funny that they, they took that joke that got cut from the script but they still incorporated it into the movie as a prop
2: that's very nice yeah that's really great great.
0: yeah economical yeah and of course no elephants in your room after six o'clock is a great policy because it still lets the guests have elephants in their room before six o'clock yeah i have a heart yeah
2: sam uh tells young mr scrooge not to tip his carriage driver so sam is not a big
0: yeah i'm not That, I'm not surprised by that.
1: I mean, that makes sense. But so, like, so Sam was going to be the hotel detective?
0: Yeah, it was just, like, basically, I think a a couple of lines explaining why he's at the hotel at all.
1: And now he's gotten promoted. I don't think it was the money. He didn't care about expensive things.
0: Uh, no pearls or furs or fancy gifts or diamond rings?
1: (laughs) Did I get that right? I think it's fancy cars, but yeah. Ah, I don't anyway, get the reference. Uh, it's uh, it's She Was a Hotel Detective by They Might Be Giants.
0: Oh. It, I think that was a B-side of a single, so that's a pretty obscure one.
1: I guess um, so. I think of it as one of their classic hits. But, well, like, it's also the
0: – so this is a little bit of a, of a digression, but it's their second song called She Was a Hotel Detective. Um,
1: yes, but it's the superior of the two in my opinion.
0: Right, and then later they did a song called She Was a Hotel Detective in the future.
1: In the future, yeah.
0: Yeah, so uh, anyone who's interested in Hotel Detectives, check out all three of those songs by They Might Be Giants.
2: Honestly, this is the first time I've heard the phrase Hotel Detective, and I just had to look up what it means. I've never heard of this idea before.
0: Um, sure, well, I,
1: I I've only I only know of it because of, because of those songs. Mm.
0: There is a podcast called Omnibus, hosted by uh, Ken Jennings, the, the Jeopardy! champion, and uh, John Roderick the, from The Long Winters, the band. Uh, they did, as of this recording, they very recently did an episode about hotel detectives. So maybe you want to seek that out as well. Nice. Yes. What an educational show we're doing.
1: I was going to say, when all the Muppets are in the hallway, Um, I love that when they're all celebrating, they're all jumping up and down. We can hear Fozzie yell, Kermit! Yay! When <laughs> Does when say yay? <laughs> Yes! Oh, that's great. Uh-huh. I like that. That's great. Uh-huh. Fo- Fozzie, I love that guy.
2: He fully expects Kermit to, to, to
0: agree with him that this is a great turn of events. <laughs> right,
1: oh yeah. Exactly. I'm sure
0: he has no idea why Kermit wouldn't be happy about this. <laughs> mm-hmm. So are we ready to move on to our next location or did either of you have any, uh, additional thoughts on this? I'm ready to go. All right. So we cut to 17 highbrow street. Um, this is the location where, uh, as you may recall, Piggy has told Kermit, um, this is where she lives. So this is where he's going to come pick her up. Uh, this is, this exterior is a real house in London. And it's still there and it mostly looks the same as in this movie. Uh, and I know this because previous podcast guest, Stacey Rosen, who also wrote our theme song and is also my wife, recently went on a trip to the UK. And in addition to, uh, visiting Lady Holiday's office, which I mentioned in a previous episode. She also stopped by 17 Highbrow Street and uh, sent me a picture of herself there. So it's still there, and I have proof.
2: She went to the UK? Did she ever make it to England? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, she You know, she landed, and they said, you're, you're at Heathrow Airport. And she said, oh, no, we'll never make it to London now. <laughs> I think I messed that up a little bit.
2: Yeah, good enough. lucky for Tiggy that this this address that she made up out of whole cloth it turns out to be a real address yes
0: especially with a name like highbrow street
1: well and that's such that's such a great part of the joke you know it's like oh of course just heading up to 17 highbrow street
0: (laughs) yeah but they don't you know they don't uh linger on that too much like there's not a moment where she looks at a street sign and is like 17 highbrow street i can't believe it's real or you know calling right, attention yeah. to it. it
1: just we just see the street sign right like while yeah she- it just says highbrow street know, yeah. yeah
0: they they just let us be amused by it
2: Well, there is a nice little moment where she she looks and sees the number and is like okay good this is it like she doesn't say that right anyways.
0: right so there are actually several seconds of miss piggy just lurking in the hedges in front of the house
1: <laughs> yeah, it actually goes on longer than I would have guessed.
0: Yeah, me too. With some uh, sort of sneaking around music playing. And yeah, it's then, like a third of this. Yeah. Uh, it is funny to see her her ears kind of peeking up over the hedges. There's something very cartoony about that. Yeah. Like you can picture Bugs Bunny's ears peeking out over the hedges like that. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Then she makes her way onto a window ledge. And she, there's this great move where she's pressed against the wall and then she suddenly swings up against the window to peek inside. I just like that little move she does. That is nice. Yeah. That's followed by a cool shot where she, we see Piggy, it cuts to the inside of the house. We see Piggy looking in the window from the outside and then the camera just pulls back to reveal this long, table in an elegant dining room with this nicely dressed couple sitting there um it's just i I think that shot is is really nice too of sort of establishing where we are now so um good job jim henson and cinematographer oswald morris i guess the dream team yeah and who's inside 17 highbrow street it's this couple they're eating dinner and they're talking about the weather Uh, We're about to spend a few more minutes with them, but um, I'm going to save some of my notes or most of my notes for next time. But uh, Grant, as you will not be with us next week, do you have any uh, notes about this couple or uh, the moments immediately following this?
2: Uh, When I was a little kid, I used to climb up the back of the couch and pretend that
0: I was Miss Piggy climbing up the outside (laughs) of 17 Eyebrows Street. (laughs)
1: Oh, huh? Wow,
0: that's great. Did anyone <laughs> ever play along with you and say it's a pig climbing up this side of the house?
2: I think I played both
0: parts. I think I was Piggy mm-hmm. and John, please. Good, good. All right, so, uh, Anthony, did you have anything else?
1: <laughs> well, are we are we going to say who these people are or are we going to save that for next
0: time? I, I, I saved please. that for next time. I did, did you have anything specific about who these people are?
1: Well, I can, I mean, you know, whatever it is, I can save it for next time. Right. I'll just, yeah. I'll, I guess, I guess I'll just tease it by saying this scene is a faulty towers reunion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh. and I guess, I mean, okay, well, I, we can, we hey. can say that this is Joan Sanderson and John Cleese. I guess, Grant, I, I mostly was thinking we, if you wanted to uh, take the opportunity to say anything about John Cleese that you might have. Or oh. Joan Sanderson. Or Joan Sanderson. I don't really know
2: Jones Anderson from anything but this film, but uh,
0: I understand John
2: Cleese is a very funny man.
0: He is. That's that's putting it concisely. (laughs) All right. Any (laughs) final thoughts about these minutes? Grant, I will start with you.
2: Uh, No, we've uh, come to the end of my notes. I I mostly just wanted to uh, rave about how, how amazing stepping out with a star is.
0: Yeah, that's a good one to rave about. Anthony, anything else?
1: No, I think I got all my notes
0: in. Cool. So in that case, Grant, we will ask you, uh, do you remember the first time you saw The Great Muppet Caper? Where does it rank among your favorite Muppet movies? What's just your general relationship with this movie?
2: Yeah, I I think this was the first Muppet movie I ever saw. It it aired on television uh, when I was a, a little kid. And all I really remember is the hot air balloon and Miss Piggy climbing up the outside of the house. I guess those were the <laughs> those were the uh, uh, indelible moments.
0: Yeah, apparently that that left an impression on you. The climbing scene. Yeah,
2: well, I, I think the hot air balloon was in the newspaper ad saying the Great Muppet Caper is on TV today.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, um, and you were
2: just like Muppets on TV. <laughs> Got to get on that exactly. Um, and uh, as for ranking, I think this one might just edge into the number one spot for me.
0: Yeah, sounds good. It's
2: really—I mean, it's so silly and so campy—and it's—it's Miss Piggy was at the height of her power. It's—I describe it to people as being basically Miss Piggy the movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: for sure. Um, funny thing, watching it as an adult, I I I end up thinking—and—and and you can you can cut this if it's it might be too divisive. But all I can think is, is it so bad that a super rich lady is getting stolen from? (laughs) (laughs) Um, She can only have have gotten so rich by exploiting her workers to some degree or another.
0: Yeah, I think, I don't think I've ever heard that take before. And we do see that she, well, so she's nice to Piggy for the most part. We do see that she's kind of rude to her models. But um, yeah, she does seem to have a lot of money. So yeah, one wonders how much she really misses those jewels uh, at the beginning, or at the Dubani Club. But yeah, yeah. That, that's an interesting take. I had not. Thought I don't about know that. how much.
2: I don't know how much the super rich were, were taxed in England in the early eighties. Yeah, I do like the idea
1: of Miss Piggy leading a workers' revolt against <laughs> Lady Holiday, the great proletariat caper. Yeah, if you will.
0: Yeah, somebody. Uh, Somebody write that. Uh, that that'll be the next, um, like the the Muppet Phantom of the Opera, Muppet Grimm's <laughs> Fairy Tales. It'll be like <laughs> some Muppet story of of workers' rights.
1: I hope it's a Muppet remake of Reds, starring Kermit as Warren Beatty in yeah, Piguet.
0: there you go. Um, That's the one. Muppet Reds. Diane
1: Keaton and Gonzo as Eugene O'Neill. All right.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, so he has lost me again, but that's okay. Uh, I I, if I'm being completely honest, he lost me too. You guys should (laughs) see
1: Reds, it's the the three hours and 15 minutes go by like half that. So, yeah,
0: yeah, I was just gonna say, I I have thought about watching Reds a number of times, and then I always remember that it's three hours long and I don't watch it.
1: (laughs) It's a quick three hours, I'm telling you, it's good, it's a good one. Yeah,
0: I'll put it on my list. Uh, so, with that, we will wrap things up. Uh, listeners, please check out toughpigs.com on the internet, Facebook, Twitter, and all those things. Um, you can find me on Twitter at me Ryan Rowe. Anthony is on Twitter at Zeppo Marxist. Uh, I'm pretty sure you can find the movie Reds on uh, some kind of streaming service. And uh, <laughs> Grant, where can people find you on the internet?
2: I am Abstract Grant on both Twitter and Instagram. And uh, you can see my weird puppets at uh, my website, theabstractions.com.
0: And Grant does some really cool and creative uh, puppet work. So everybody should definitely check that out. Well, thank you very much. And uh, you're welcome. And listeners, if you're so inclined, please give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or any other place you can give us a positive review and tell your Muppet-loving friends about the show. And join us again next week for another episode of Moving Right Along. Bye, bad times. Hey, good times.
2: No elephants in your room after six o'clock.